This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. It has been a dirty weekend in the water. We are talking the FINA Aquatic Championships being down in South Korea. How can a country that doesn't actually know how to play water polo host the water aquatics? It is the World Aquatics Championships on right now in Guangzhou. But because they're the host nation, mm-hmm. they get to compete in basically every event. So even though the, uh, the South Korean women's water polo team didn't exist until a month ago, they got accepted into the World Championships. About a month ago, they decided to put a load of swimmers together and see if they could play water polo. How did they go in their first? The South Korean team made their debut against former world champions Hungary and they lost 64 nil. I know. It's got to make you feel terrible. They had one shot during the whole match. You can only get better from there. You can only go up. They did. They did only get better from there. In the next match against Russia, they were 27 nil down halfway through the fourth quarter and Kyung Da Sul scored their very first goal. They were crying in the water getting that one goal. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was like they won the World Championship, not just scored their first goal. Crazy. So congratulations to South Korea scoring their first goal against Russia. They then played against Canada in their last group game, and they scored two goals. That's amazing. Yeah, they lost 22-2 to Canada. Then in the playoffs, they then scored three goals against Uh South Africa. But I love the uh, quote from uh, Korean-American Ryan Hanna-Yoon previewing their game against Canada. She said they were hopefully going to score more and concede less. <laughs> That's a good game plan, isn't it? Best of luck to South Korea in their quest for water polo glory. Look, at least they're getting better. Can they but, swim? Well, <laughs> hopefully they can swim. Otherwise, we'd be drowning. You're listening to the Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Right, Di. What did I do last Saturday afternoon? Do you think? You went down to Luna Park to see the hot dog eating competition. I did. I went down to see the Cleavers hot dog eating competition and our next guest basically smashed 27 hot dogs with buns in 10 minutes. Unbelievable. We've got him in the studio live this morning. It's Mr. Cal Stubbs, the number one competitive eater, professional competitive eater in Australia. Welcome to the Bucket List. Thanks very much for having me. No, absolutely awesome, uh, Cal. I was uh, quite blown away by not just the fact that you won, there was 12 people out there very competitively smashing down hot dogs. Yeah, it is a pretty competitive sport. A lot of the guys are big gym junkies and yeah, I'm sort of uh, the little guy against the big trees out there. Guy you sit next to, old Vince, big V. It was quite an interesting comparison having you <laughs> next to this absolute monstrous guy. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. He's competed in uh, the Mr. Australia and stuff like that. He's a huge man. When you talk about competitive eating, we do see lots of, you know, big fellas doing the Nathan's hot dog eating and all this stuff, but you're proving the fact that you don't have to be big hulking guys to smash down hot dogs or pizza or donuts as we will see fairly shortly. Yeah, uh, I guess anyone can do it. There's obviously a big advantage for being a little bit thinner or fit. Don't see many bigger overweight people doing it because of the uh, fat belt theory, which is the more fat you have around your stomach, the less it can stretch. So most of the guys you see are either super fit or super thin. Now, talk us through preparation when there's a competition coming up. Obviously, you hear stories about the old white rice and Coca-Cola theory that uh, that's all you eat for a couple of uh, couple of days to stretch your stomach. Is that true? We don't do that. We water stretch. So we'll train maybe for a big event like that leading in about three days before. We'll start loading our stomachs with water and gradually increase it up to maybe four hours before the competition will yep. be our last stretch. And then if we're doing food, we'll do a max out meal 24 hours before and eat as much as humanly possible 24 hours before. 
wow. before to fill our stomachs. Yeah. And then nothing before the competition. Yeah, just load with water right up and, until a couple of hours before the competition. If we are doing foods, there'll be stuff that's really high water-based that'll pass through you. So yeah. I like to do grapes, watermelon. And other people do cabbage and stuff, which I couldn't imagine doing that. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, mostly high water-based food. Cal, how did you get into this? I think like most people, about five years ago, I just did a pub comp and went and did a Palmer one. <laughs> And uh, I managed to finish it, and I'm a pretty competitive person, and uh, said to the wife, I'm going to look for one against other people. Right. And I found a comp about a month later with two highly ranked Australian eaters in the competition, and I went down to it, no expectations, just to see sort of where I I stood, and uh, I won the comp, and yeah, the rest is sort of history. Now, I know the uh, girls' champion came down from Brisbane, and she did the hot dog eating in the afternoon. I think she did another eating competition that evening. Can you recover that quickly after 16, which um, last year's women's champion only did eight. To double the Australian record is quite amazing. But she obviously got it out of her system and then went and did another competition that evening. Yeah, uh, Mimi sort of burst onto the scene. I only sort of heard about her two months ago and she went and did, I think, uh, two of the one kilo donuts at Elmore Bakery. Die two one kilo donuts. Wow. Two kilos of donuts. Goodness gracious. I know, just... yeah, she was the first female to do that. Wow. So we heard about that two months ago and invited her down and... Yeah, she put on a bit of a show. It was an amazing performance. She beat a lot of the boys. You won the X Factor in Indonesia. What did you do exactly? (laughs) Uh, We did um, hot dogs but without the buns. It was against the Indonesian champion and I got down 54 in four minutes. (sighs) And I think the Indonesian guy did 47. Wow. Wow. Amazing. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> processing that. And you're amazing. You've represented Australia at the World Eating Championships. Was this in America? You, you finished third. Yes. I think Australia was ranked about 16th at the time, and um, they had uh, teams of four for Worldwide Battle of the Big Eaters. It's put on most years by Japan, yeah. and they send their team out. Obviously, the big guns are Japan and the US. We got down to the final four, played off a third against the UK, swept them 3-0, so good to get one over the palms. <laughs> and, uh, yes, a great event. goes for nine days. <laughs> so you're eating for eight of those wow. nine days, and half an hour every day you're eating. And you don't know what you're eating until they lift the cloche in front oh, really? of you. So you can't train for specific oh. foods. What's the worst food they've made you eat? Oh, I had cold kibasa sausage, which oh. was a, a horror. But one of the boys got sea urchin oh, one no. year, so it's half an hour of just continually eating <laughs> sea urchin. So, yeah, there's some bad ones out there. How do you eat something you can't stand? I switch off. It's like competitive eating, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of natural ability, but then it's really a mental game and you need to be able to switch off and, and yeah, especially in half-hour comps. The five, ten-minute ones are not too bad, mm. but when you're eating for half an yeah. hour, you've really got to be mentally tough. Nice. All the guys at the top are really mentally tough. We saw the uh, Cleavers tournament last weekend. Now, Joey Chestnut, obviously the world record, he's done 74 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. What's the difference between you doing 28 and Joey Chestnut doing 74? The American ones, don't get me wrong, Joey Chestnut's amazing. He is the best in the world. They're uh, hot dogs. If you ever go to Queen Vic Market, there's a Nathan's hot dog stand. Oh, is it? If you go buy one from there, they're tiny. They're about half the size of ours. Ah, there you go. And they also have a special bread that's made out of sugar. So you'll see them dunking the bread. And when they dunk the bread, it basically disintegrates. So it is a lot lot of show. (laughs) Taking nothing. Away from those, but and they'd yeah. still crush us. But that's the difference. So amazing. This morning, uh, you're going to give us a bit of an example. What have you got there that you're going to competitively eat? I've got a four pack of the new Krispy Kreme M M&M and M donuts. Mm. We're going to have a go at 
They smell pretty good. Got Aaron Otobre with us. He G'day. actually was one of the contestants in the Ninja Warrior. We're going to be speaking to him a bit later. But he's actually going to be eating normally. How many Krispy Kremes have you got there? I've got four. I reckon I'll get through one. Okay. So we'll <laughs> see how many a normal person gets through. You call Aaron a normal person. Look at him. He's a specimen. <laughs> he is a specimen. Whereas Cal is a competitive eater. So we'll see how quickly he can eat four. So four donuts, Krispy Kreme style. So Cal, the Australian champion against... Aaron Otobre, who is in full training, 100% Ninja Warrior style. <laughs> How much sugar would you eat normally, uh, Aaron? Uh, I don't even count yeah. what food I eat. Probably not a lot of sugar. I'm yeah, not a sweet thought... tooth naturally, so no. Excellent. All right, I'll let you uh, do the countdown. Oh, am I counting in? Okay, it. all right, boys, are we ready? It's uh, Hulk Smash Food versus Ninja Warrior, Aaron Otobre. <laughs> Cal's actually stretching already, and it's only four donuts. This is... <laughs> Cal would eat this in bed before getting up, just to okay. limber up for the day. All right, here we go, boys. Three, two, one, eat! All right, well, here Cal, they go. Cal's absolutely smashed one already. He's gone the, the water straight off the bat. Aaron's had a bite. Uh, Cal's into number two already. I'm and enjoying it. Three oh, chomps gosh. and Hulk smash food. Number three is in the mouth <laughs> already. M&M red donut. Cal's still going strong. Water. Oh, Cal's got it in his hand and he just shoves it in and he, he's chomping straight off the bat. Oh, number four's in the mouth already. <laughs> Unbelievably, Cal is smashing these donuts like there is no tomorrow. And number four is all in the mouth straight away. Now, there is a chipmunking rule here. We're not going to stop the uh, chipmunking rule, but Cal is absolutely smashed. Four donuts already, minus a bit of topping, and Aaron's done half. About half. <laughs> Very so lovely. that is quite remarkable. That is crazy. How many do you reckon, Aaron, you could have eaten? He's still eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you had sort of competitively eaten them, and, and you've only got like half a donut down so far. I reckon if I was doing it quickly, trying to compete against him, oh, maybe I'd get one and a half down. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite impressive. Have you got a specialist food? Yeah, chips. So Chips? Yes. I have a technique called the rolling rice bowl that no one else in the world does <laughs> that basically uh, pushes chips down your throat without taking wow. water. So, okay. yeah, that's definitely my specialty is chips. Yeah, interesting. This may sound very weird because uh, I've been known to smash down a few pizzas and uh, kebabs and all sorts of things. Do you have to chew? Or do you just crush and swallow? Uh, it really depends what it is. If it's something like pizza, then you have to chew. Yeah. Um, they're always the hardest uh, ones of pizza. The bread-based style, yeah. yeah. If it's something like hot dogs or something pretty soft, you're basically just breaking it into swallowable sizes yeah, without sure. choking. So, Cal, where to from here? I think the Echo Show in Brisbane that I won last year, the Dagwood Dog Comp, is on on the 16th. So, considering flying up to Brisbane for that, I'm mm. um, just waiting on a few things and uh, I'm not sure what the next one is after that. How many competitions can you get through a year? Well, there's obviously competitions and challenges, yeah, which sure. are two different things. Competitions, there's probably usually one or two a month. Yeah. Probably get to most of those. Food challenges, just whenever restaurants put them on. I'll yeah, yeah you're there. The old dim sim challenge. Cal, so your stomach, I think you've got a seven kilo food capacity and eight litre of water capacity. How much do you normally drink for a competition while you're actually competing? In a competition, you try and keep it to a minimum, obviously, because fluid fills you up yeah. um, so quickly. So you're trying to take on like very minimal amount of water. If it's a say two, three, five minute comp where you're not going to get anywhere near your capacity anyway, you can take on sort of as much as you want and need to get the food down. But when you're getting into half hour competitions where you're doing six, seven, eight kilos of food, mm. obviously the less water you're taking on, the better because you're not filling your stomach. Eight kilos of food—that is horrendous. What comes out the other end? 
It's actually not too bad. I get they <laughs> ask that question quite a bit, but it's uh, pretty normal. The human body can process uh, food pretty well. Jeez, eight kilos. My wow, word. you must have a very... <laughs> I'm just, like, just going to eat this laptop. Because <laughs> I have a very trained colon, that's all I can say. But uh, we do wish you the absolute best of luck. You are the number one champion in Australia. Cal Stubbs, he's got a quarter of a million oh. followers. Yes. On Instagram. What's your Instagram tag? Uh, the Instagram handles are Hulk Smash Food, one word. Cal, look, keep in contact with us. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on the bucket list. That's Cal Stubbs, the Australian champion, the number one competitive eater in Australia. I'm impressed. We love you. On the bucket <laughs> list. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. This is the bucket list on SEN plus thirteen seventy seven. We got a special guest in the studio this morning. It's Aaron Otobre. He was in the Australian Ninja Warrior. Good morning, Aaron. Welcome to the bucket list. Good morning. So, Ninja Warrior, you uh, yes. unfortunately didn't quite get to the semi last weekend. Is this the first time you've done Ninja Warrior? Yeah, it was the first time I've ever done it. I've watched the show before and just absolutely loved it. it looked yeah. like heaps of fun, so I thought I've got to have a crack. Gave it a red hot go. Fortunately, didn't make the finals, but happy to have another crack next year. So, in your normal day-to-day life and training, is this part of your training, or is it just totally new and something you thought, I'm just going to do it? When I applied for the show, I did basically no training. Three weeks before filming the uh, the show, I decided to join a ninja gym and start doing some training. That's now part of my training. I aim to go four mornings a week just for general training, yep. um, some Metafit, which is high-intensity interval training, calisthenics, and just general weights training, sure. strength. And I try to get at least one ninja sesh in a week, which is really like playing yeah. on the obstacles and <laughs> you know, pushing yourself and challenging yourself. It and... looks so hard. I've seen you swinging through the air. Is it as difficult as it looks? It's a lot harder than it looks when you get up there and you face the obstacle as opposed to watching someone else do it like from a side on angle. When you're up, actually up there doing it yourself, you're like, Wow, that's actually a massive distance. How am I going to cover that? But once you get on the equipment and you start to do it, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I can make that. It's doable. So do you guys practice beforehand or, or do you just have to do it straight away? Straight away, yeah. Oh, wow. Straight up and you're Do they the give course. you a chance to have a look at the course and work out a strategy or are you coming in cold? You're pretty much coming in cold. Wow. Yeah. That's why you've got to learn to really um, visualise yourself on the obstacles before you get there. Yeah, yeah. It's good if you can have a look, seeing it for the first time, yeah, yeah. you think, how am I going to get through this? And if you can visualise it in your head, it's a lot easier when you're running it. I'm guessing that because this is fairly new obstacle course racing is what I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there isn't too many facilities out there where you can actually get on equipment, especially that spinner thing you jump on and it rolls down the... Yep. How can you practice for that? That's an interesting one that you raised, the rolling log. I have not seen one of those anywhere to, <laughs> to train on. That was certainly a new experience when yeah. I jumped on it. But you know what? It was heaps and heaps of fun. And to be honest, as much as it's a dizzying obstacle and you can see how people would fall off it, it's not, it's not one of the harder sure. ones. It's not overly complicated. Just yeah. hang on real tight. 
lock your feet and you should be okay. And there's certainly a lot harder ones out there than that. Yeah, in terms of ninja gyms, there are a few becoming obviously a lot more popular now with the uh, success of the TV yeah. show. Head on down, check it out. You'll have a ball. <laughs> there's the high wall, which looks absolutely mm-hmm. astronomical in terms of actually getting over it. How high was that? Do you know the, the measurement? Yes, there were two walls, the mega wall and the regular wall. The regular one's 14 foot. Oh. The mega wall was 17 foot. Four metres, by the way. About four metres, yeah. yeah. How, do you get, how do you climb a wall? You just climb it. You just run up it. Just hit the ground running and up you go. But not many people made it. You, you did it, didn't you? I didn't get to the wall, unfortunately. Oh, no, oh. in my heat, uh, I just came off on the second last obstacle right before the wall. Wow. But I have practised on a few warped walls and, yeah, I've managed to get up them. Again, it's one of those ones that looks really intimidating the first time you look at it yeah. and think, oh, my God, I can't get up that. But then once you start having a crack and running up it, you realise, oh, yeah, I can do this. This is yeah. all right. The TV channel behind this has thrown a lot of money into this, which is great. We've got superstars like Freddie Flintoff, a man yes. after my own heart, cricketing legend. It's great that he can come out and be the face of this as well. Mm. It just adds so much kudos to the to the show. Absolutely, yeah. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Great fun having him around. Well, he's the new presenter of Top Gear in the UK. I didn't hear about that. Although, Interesting. I'm a big Top Gear fan. Although he always tells a story about how he bought a Lamborghini before he realised he couldn't actually fit in it. <laughs> Is he that tall? Yeah, he's made six foot four. He's like that doesn't fit. surprise me. Yeah, 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 he's a big boy. He'd need a convertible <laughs> to put his head out the roof. Yeah, do they have a return policy? I wonder. <laughs> I think they did in that case. Are you going to compete possibly next year again? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be having another crack. Hundred percent. Thanks for coming in this morning. No worries. Thanks, thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks very much this morning, Aaron October. He was in the Australian Ninja Warrior on the bucket list. There's nothing like being at a live event, whether it's the Australian Open tennis, the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan, or the Bathurst. 1000. With over 20 years experience, Sportsnet will ensure the adventure of a lifetime. With over 50 world-class events, Sportsnet guarantees official tickets and accommodation even to sold-out events. You'll even get access to behind-the-scenes experiences. Over 10,000 travellers each year choose Sportsnet. Call 1-300-888-858 or visit sportsnetholidays.com. From One Cover Travel Insurance, here's Aisha. What are some of the pitfalls of travelling without taking out travel insurance? There are a lot of pitfalls of travelling without travel insurance, but uh, one really great story, well, it's not a great story, but it's a story that kind of illustrates what can happen when you travel without travel insurance to the US in particular. So we had one of our customers, her name's Rachel Minaway. She actually travelled to the US and she was just in Hawaii with her friend, having, you know, excited to be there and gone sightseeing and whatever. And then she got in a car, closed the glove box, did it too hard, smashed her nail on the glove box and broke her nail. So at first she just thinks it's a broken nail, but it ends up being a lot more than that. So what happened? She just ignored it for a while and thought it's just a broken nail. I'm on my holiday. I'll forget about it. And then her and her friend continued down to the beach and basically her hand started to shake a little bit and she thought, okay, well, you know, this is hurting a bit more than it should. So then they went to a medical centre. The nail had to get removed, ripped out, which, as you can imagine, is pretty unpleasant. The whole thing was over pretty quickly. She ended up getting charged 1200 on the spot just for that nail removal. And then when she came back to Australia... She got harassed for a further $1,200. So in the end, it ended up costing her nearly $2,500 just for breaking a nail. Medical costs can be absolutely astronomical when you're travelling. However, there was a happy ending in this story as Rachel had already taken out travel insurance with one cover. Definitely a good investment. That's exactly why when planning your next holiday, you should take out travel insurance from one cover. Call them on one 192 
021. And this morning, chatting to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. The Cox Plate Carnival is back on. It's from the 25th and 26th of October. Why would you attend the Cox Plate Carnival? Personally, I love Mooney Valley Racecourse. It has a great feel, a great atmosphere. I always have fun when I go there. The Manicato Stakes, held the night before the Cox Plate, it's the perfect warm-up to the main event. It's a great experience in itself. But the Cox Plate, it's one of Australia's richest and most prestigious horse racing events. You know, I recently found out that it's actually Australia's richest wait for age race with five million in prize money on offer it's a serious horse race if you attend both days it combines a night and a day racing experience and as we know arguably the best racehorse produced in australia winks won and dominated the last four years of cox plate she won't be there this year but i see that as a real positive because it means the field opens up and lastly it's a chance to experience the spring racing carnival without having to face quite the same level of crowds that you get at flemington each year where are most the guests coming from for the cox plate generally this one is Australians travelling from Australia, although we do get your occasional Kiwi that wants to uh, experience the Coxplate as well. They love their horse racing over there as well. You're going to get Daryl Braithwaite. That's a given. But Mooney Valley itself is a cauldron. The track's essentially square. You look down upon the track and the atmosphere, especially on Cox Plate Day, I reckon it is better than Melbourne Cup Day. It is. It's one of the best places to, to watch horse racing, I believe. And would a Cox Plate be the same without Daryl singing horses? We've used him often as well. It's a really special day. And I bet you've got some great packages as well. Two nights accommodation in Melbourne CBD, so checking in the Friday, out the Sunday. You get a general mission ticket to Manicato Stakes and the Ladbrokes Cox Plate as well, although you can upgrade it to a grandstand or hospitality if you want to do it a little bit nicer. An official race book to both days. Can't go to the races without a race book. We give every every booking that locks in a Cox Plate package with us gets a copy of the Winks, the authorised biography book, which is a really nice inclusion. And they also get a Mikey visitors pack, preloaded Mikey card to get to and from the races if staying in the city. And that also offers some discounts at attractions all over Melbourne. Why not check out the Aquarium or the National Sports Museum or, or go up Eureka Sky Deck while you're here as well? The thing I love about the Cox Plate Carnival is the value for money. Two night packages from $1,419 per person without Manicato Stakes, with Manicato Stakes, 479 per person twin chair. So absolutely brilliant. Why wouldn't you book through Sportsnet Holders? Yeah. Number one, everything is official as it always is with us. We're an official travel partner, Mooney Valley Racecourse. The value for money, as compared to say something like the Melbourne Cup Carnival, is just unmatched. We've spoken about how great Mooney Valley Racecourse is. Grandstands and Hospitality sells out every year and, and we have access. You, you get your own personal consultant from the day you inquire with us to the day you depart. And in a world that personalisation doesn't exist anymore, we certainly still provide it. Cox Plate Day is an awesome day out. Now, if you want to book your packages through Sportsnet Holidays, call 1300 888 858. Sportsnetholidays.com. Get onto that, sportsnetholidays.com.